Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm so thankful that Adam read some of those former passages because uh, in light of everything that we find in the book of Hebrews, we have a great challenge found in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, there's another one of those therefores that we find in Scripture. I, every time you see a therefore, you ought to ask why it's, what it's there for. I know that's not very good English, but it's really good theology. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated on the right hand of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." pause for a word of prayer. Father, how grateful we are that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has opened a new and a living way for us so that we can come into your presence and, Lord, we can talk with you. We no longer have to go through the high priest who can only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. But Father, we can come into your presence any moment, any hour of any day. Lord, as we learned about this morning in Sunday school, the importance of prayer. Father, I pray as we come here this morning that, Lord, in light of all that you've done for us, that, Lord, we would step up and do what you've called us to do. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace that are new this day. And, Lord, would you extend us mercy and grace as we hear your word and as we respond in faith. And Lord, I pray this and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you notice the title of my sermon today, it's called Stay in the Game. When I was in high school, I played football. Shouldn't have. I was too little. We had one of the biggest teams in our conference. In fact, in my junior year, we won the district championship. And uh, we had some guys that, you know, were upward of 300 pounds. I was all of 5'9", which is what I am right now. Uh, but I weighed about 30 to 35 pounds less than I do right now. I weighed all of 130 pounds, and that was probably soaking wet with rocks in my pocket and jumping up and down on the scales to get it to register like that. But I absolutely loved football. But because I was so small, my coach oftentimes would not let me go in the ball game. He was afraid I was going to get hurt. And so oftentimes I sat on the sidelines cheering on my fellow players but every once in a while, usually when we were winning by 40 or 50 points, the coach would say, Bray, get in there. And so I would go out on the field, and while I was on the field, I absolutely refused to look at the sideline because I, know, I knew what was going to happen if I looked towards the sideline after a few minutes. The coach was going to say, Bray, come on out of there. And so I wanted to stay in the game. And so I refused to look to the sidelines. The book of Hebrews was written to encourage Christians to stay in the game. 
to remain faithful. They had, their lives had been radically transformed by the power of the risen Christ. They had been born again. They had had a new life that had come into them, the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection life that Christ promises to us. But life was tough. It was hard to be a Christian back then. People made fun of you. Oftentimes you couldn't get a job. Oftentimes you, you couldn't sell your, your goods in the marketplace. Oftentimes and sometimes, maybe not oftentimes, but sometimes some of the Christians were persecuted. And so it was really hard. And so some of them had begun to drift away from Christ or they got complacent in their following of Christ. And so the author writes for them to stay in the game. As we come this morning, we think about graduating seniors. We think about those who are graduating from kindergarten and moving to the next level. Those graduating from the eighth grade and, and moving up to the next level. And, and then those graduating from the last thing that hopefully will graduate from. And uh, so we've got some of all the different things. But here's the thing. No matter where you are in life. No matter if you're a senior adult or if you're a newborn, no matter who you are, you and I need to learn how to stay in the game. Graduates, you're transitioning. Life's going to be different than it's ever been before. Everything in this world is going to try and pull your heart away from God. If you don't make a choice now to stay in the game, to be faithful to the cause of Christ, I promise you this, you will drift away. Statistics show us today that very few of those people that graduate from high school that drift away from church ever come back again. The book of Hebrews was written for you. It was written for me. It was written to encourage us to stay in the game this passage that we've just read encourages us to remain faithful to God no matter what the circumstances. So let me answer some questions that will help you to stay in the game. First of all, why? Why should you stay in the game? Well, the author of Hebrews points out that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The picture is that of a Roman Colosseum back then. It would be a picture of a football stadium now where you see Myriads of people that are literally are as high up along the bleachers as they can get. But the people that are watching us are not spectators. They are those who have run their leg of the race. They, they are those who have been faithful to God. Those who've received their crown, those who've received the victory. They are those who've gone on before us that are now in the presence of Almighty God. And they stand watching us to see how we're going to accomplish what God has given us to do, to see if we're going to run with faithfulness, to see if we're going to stay in the game. Young people, I just want to encourage you today, look around at your Rock Hill Church family. They love you. They're like witnesses that can testify to the great blessings of living a life with God. Living a life focused on God. And they want so much for you to succeed. They are praying for you. Draw encouragement for them. Draw strength for them so that you can stay in the race. Be a Caleb. Y'all remember Caleb from the Bible? There was Joshua and Caleb. 
and ten other spies that were sent out to the promised land. They came back and there was a majority report and there was a minority report. The minority report was given by Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. They came back and said, yes, they're giants in the lands. You know, the, the majority report said, hey, they're giants in the, the land. They're great fortified cities. They've got all these armaments. We don't have anything. We're in trouble. There's no way we can win. Hey, if God's on your side, you'll always win, okay? But Joshua and Caleb came back and said, look, yeah, they're giants in the land. Yeah, they're great fortified cities. But God has already given us this land. Let's go up and take it. And unfortunately, the people listened to the majority report and they walked away from God and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But God made a promise to Caleb. God said to Caleb, the land on which your feet has trod, when he went in to spy out the promised land, God says, the land on which your feet have trod, I'm going to give to you and your family as your inheritance in the promised land. So 40 years have passed. Caleb is now 85 years old. Now listen to how he stayed in the game. Listen to what it says here. In Joshua 14, verses 6 through 12, this is what it says. Then the people of Judah came up to Joshua at Gilgal. Now the, the thing is, Joshua's getting ready to, to hand out and to part, to give a part or give a part of the land to whoever. He's getting ready to assign plots of land to the people of God. And so that's the context. So the people of God come up to Joshua at Gilgal. Joshua is now the leader. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinsanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses and the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly or totally followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since that time. And now behold, this day I'm 85 years old and I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going out and for coming. So now give me this country for which the Lord has spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim, that's the giants, were there. And there were great fortified cities. It will be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Guys, when you talk about Caleb, now he's not talking about physical strength. He was not talking about physical strength coming in and going out. I haven't quite got to 85. I'll be 62, Lord willing, this coming summer. And I want you to know I am not as strong as I was when I was in my 20s or 30s or even my 40s or even my 50s. He's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about spiritual strength and spiritual trust in God. He was wholly committed to God on his 85th birthday as he was on his 40th birthday. He knew what God could do. Let me just encourage you as graduates. This whole world is going to try to draw your heart away from God. Be faithful. Caleb and Joshua stood the two of them alone. The rest of their generation perished in the wilderness because they would not walk with God. 
Caleb and Joshua didn't care what anybody else said. They didn't care what the world wanted them to do. They were faithful to God. Let me just encourage you, young person, especially those of you who are graduating from high school, getting ready to go out into the world, let me just encourage you, be faithful to God no matter what anybody else says and no matter what anybody else does. Draw strength from your church family. God has designed that His people live within a body of Christ. Go back and read the book of Acts. When people got saved, you know what happened? The Bible says it this way, And God added to the church daily those who were being saved. God's desire and God's design for every New Testament Christian is that you live within the context of a body of Christ. Why? So that you can be encouraged. So that you can be strengthened. So that your focus is on God and not on the things of this world that pull at your heart every day. Unfortunately, so many young people, they graduate from high school and they quit coming to God's house and they quit, coming, they quit hanging around with God's people. Let me just tell you, if you do that, you're not necessarily going to lose your salvation, but I promise you this, you're going to backslide. You're going to go the way of the world. If you move away from God and move away from God's people and move away from what God has for you, I can just promise you this. If you abandon God's people, you will move further away from God and not closer to God. Or as the writer of the book of Proverbs says, bad company corrupts good morals. Oh, I wish I could tell you every story that I've heard of heartbroken Christians who've come to me and said, Pastor, I started hanging out with the wrong people and I went down the wrong path. Heartbroken, heartbroken people that have made bad decisions because they were hanging out with the wrong people. Let me just encourage you right now, before you ever walk away from the Lord, be faithful to the Lord. Hang around God's people. Draw encouragement and strength from them. Those who've gone before us, those who stand in heaven and are looking down upon what we're doing, they can testify to the great blessings that comes to a person who totally and completely follows God, who are faithful to the end. Be like the Apostle Paul who said, I fought the good fight. I finished my race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who love His appearing. Why should you stay in the game? It's because you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that testify to the faithfulness and the graciousness and the blessings of God. Stay in the game. Stay focused. Secondly, how do you stay in the game? How do you stay? Now you know why you ought to stay, but how do you stay in the game? What does it say here in this passage of Scripture? It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance. Guys, we need to run with endurance. We need to get rid of every weight. That word weight means every bulk of body. I remember when I was in high school trying to get in shape for football, a lot of times when I was running, trying to get ready, I would put ankle weights. Anybody ever wore ankle weights to try to make yourself stronger? 
I used to wear ankle weights, but you know, you don't want to play a, a game with ankle weights on because you want to be as fast as you can possibly be, and those weights keep you from running very fast. I remember a few years ago, there was a wide receiver that played at Ole Miss. Now, I know some of y'all don't believe in Ole Miss, but it's a whole lot better than believing in Tennessee, but it, we won't go into that, but anyway. <laughs> but he literally tire, tied, took a long rope, and took, put it far enough behind him so it wouldn't trip him. But when he was practicing, when he was running his routes for the quarterback to throw him the football, he tied an old tire. Justin knows about old tires. Ask him about old tires. He tied an old tire behind him. And he run, ran all of his, his uh, routes using that tire behind him. And it slowed him down. But guess what happened when he took it off? He was running like the wind. Guys, when you and I are running the race set before us and God has marked out the boundaries for the race, you and I don't get to choose the boundaries. God marks out those boundaries for us. We need to lay aside every weight. We need to get rid of it. So I challenge you today to forsake anything that would keep you from faithfully running your leg of the race. Get rid of any sin which clings so closely to you. The picture is that of, can you imagine on a marathon race or even a sprint? You ever, seen, you ever watch the Olympics and these guys get down in the blocks, you know, they get lined up so they can run. Can you imagine getting in the blocks ready to run a race and having a long flowing robe on or having one of these dresses, these, what these ladies call pencil dresses that go all the way down to your ankles and, and you're walking, you know, I see ladies and they're walking like this. Because they're let, that's the picture we've got here. Can you imagine somebody trying to run a race with a robe on? How far do you think they're going to get down the track before they trip and fall over on their face? I guarantee it won't be more than two or three steps. You can't run the race. If you've got something clinging to you, get rid of it. Throw it away. All throughout this book, the author is encouraging these Christians to get rid of anything. Anything that's going to keep them from running, being faithful and running the race. Once again, he's telling them to get rid of anything. And, and notice it says here, it doesn't say sins, which cling so closely to you. It says sin, singular. The one sin that the author of the book of Hebrews writes about throughout that book is a failure to fit in the redemptive purpose of God. What does that mean, preacher? What it means is you have been created by God to serve His purposes in this world. And you have been cre recreated by God to participate in His redemptive purposes. What's God's redemptive purpose? The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. God says after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, unto Samaria, unto Judea, Judea, and unto Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. My dear brothers and sisters, if you have been saved by Almighty God, you have been brought into His redemptive purposes. And anything that distracts you from that, you need to get rid of. Whether it be your friends, 
whether it be some television program you're watching, whether it be whatever, anything that would distract you from keeping your mind focused on God and running with endurance the race that God has laid out for you, you need to get rid of it. The only way to stay in the game, guys, is to get rid of anything that would keep you from doing what God has created you to do. It may be an enjoyable sin. It may be a lack of faith. It may be a lack of dedication. It may be pride. It may be laziness. Whatever it is, get rid of it. Do it now before it's too late. I promise you if you begin to wander, if you get out away from God's people and you choose not to come back again, you choose to go the way of the world, you're going to miss the purpose for which God has created you. And you're going to miss so many blessings and so many joys that God has outlined for His people. Paul says over in Romans chapter 6, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, to make, it, make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your member to, members to God as instruments of righteousness. Here's what I know for you who are graduating. Sin and this world is going to do everything it can to get you, you and your mind and your heart off of God. The things of this world are not the things of God. And this world will try anything and everything to distract you from being faithful to do what God has called you to do. If you don't get rid of all the things that the world throws in your face... If you don't turn away from those things and turn hard to God, you will be easily distracted. And you will begin to drift away little bit by little bit. You know, when the, when the prodigal son demanded his father give him his inheritance and he, and he went away to a faraway land and he wasted everything that his father had given to him. You know that journey? You know, how, you know when it started? It started one step at a time. At any point in that journey, he could have turned around and gone back to Father. He would have experienced so much less heartache. He would have kept his inheritance. A lot of things would have happened if he simply would have turned around and gone home before he got too far away. Guys, if you don't keep focus on God, if you don't keep focus on His will for your life, if you don't get rid of the sin which so easily clings to you, you will drift away and you will end up far away from where you want to be today and far away from where God wants you to be. So, stay in the game. Stay in the game. Do whatever the Lord asks you to do. Lastly, what should motivate you to stay in the game? What should be your focus? That's what we're talking about. What should be your focus? What does it say here? Let us run with race the endurance, or run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same. And then he goes on to say, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, so that you will not grow weary 
and faint-hearted. Jesus set the example for us. Do you want to know how to run the race? Do you want to know how to run the race in a way that is pleasing to God? Look at Jesus. Look what He did. Jesus did the Father's will, even to the point, as we talked about in Sunday school class this morning, even to the point of death, He was obedient to His Father. We ought to look to Jesus Christ and consider Him. A a runner is not a crowd pleaser. A runner is not a crowd pleaser. The runner runs for one purpose, and that is to cross the finish line first. You and I, you graduates, you need to run the race set before you. You need to keep focus on Jesus. Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Paul himself said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, as we run this race, we run with the finish line in view. We know that God has called us. We know that God has recreated us. We know that God has brought us into His presence. We know all of that intellectually. But we must put it into practice. We must discipline ourselves to run with endurance. We must run with our eyes focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul says over in Colossians, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all this other stuff will be added to you. Guys, so many people have spent their lives chasing the wrong thing, running the wrong race. Some people have become quite successful financially speaking. Some people have become very popular in this world. Some people have Accomplish many things that they're remembered for. But you know what? When this world is all said and done, all that's going to mean zero. All of it's going to mean zero. Because there's only one thing that's important, and that's the glory and the honor of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything that we've done in this life, when we receive our crown, for the things that we've done, that the Holy Spirit has worked out through us. You know what we're going to do with those crowns? (laughs) We're going to throw them at Jesus' feet because He's the only one worthy to, to receive the honor and the glory and the power and the dominion. Let me just encourage you, whoever you are, no matter what stage in life you are, it's never too late. It's never too late to focus your life on God. If you're getting ready to graduate and move to the next level, just make a determination today. Draw a line in the sand and say, I don't care what anybody else does. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful. We're going to stay in the game. We're not going to throw in the towel because the going gets tough. We're not going to just drop out of the race because it hurts too much. We're going to remain faithful to God because our God is worthy. And our God has given us so much, as we talked about, as Adam read about in the Scriptures today in Hebrews. 
we have grace and we have the ability to enter into the very presence of God and we receive grace and mercy in our time of need. There's a lot of different things. Stay in the game. You graduates, stay in the game. Don't be a statistic of those who have walked away from God. Stay here. Support your church family. Get support from your church family. Do life together as God intended for it to be. Well, my last year in high school, after football season was over with, I was a senior. I was getting ready to graduate. But I decided to run track, mainly to help my brother out. He was running track. Uh, and he and I were always competitive. He was, he's 18 months younger than I am. Uh, now, he's 6'2", so he's, I'm 5'9", so you know he's up about right here. Uh, he weighed probably 10 pounds less than I did in high school. He was an excellent athlete. In fact, his freshman year at South Haven High School, he set the district record in the half-mile race. That's pretty good. Well, I got up and I was training like, like everything else. My brother and I were really competitive. I don't like him to beat me at anything. That's the reason I like it now, because I can beat him at golf. That's one of the few things I can beat him at, sometimes, not every time. But anyway, we were really, really competitive. We'd get up in the morning, we'd go running for several hours, or at least for an hour, and then we'd get dressed and go to school. And that afternoon, we'd start. We both were distance runners, and we worked ourselves up to where we were running about two or three hours a day. But I still remember this one race. We were being timed. It was getting close to the district uh, for the conference uh, meets to start. And so we were being timed to find out how well we could do. And we were running the mile race. And I was determined my brother was not going to beat me. So I had a strategy. I was going to stay right behind my brother, right on his heels. And then we came into the final turn of the last lap. I was going to sprint by him and sprint to the finish line and blow his doors off. Well, the only problem, I told you he was lighter than me and he was taller than me, which means his stride was longer than mine. So it required a lot more energy out of me to stay up on his heels until we got to that final turn. And so we got to the final turn and I was going to kick and run past him and I kicked and I got right even with him and he literally left me in the dust. <laughs> he blew me away. Guys, God has marked out a race for you, a boundary for you. You're not running against another believer in Christ. You're not running against a brother or sister. You're running to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're running to give Him the honor and the glory that He deserves. He gave His very all for you. And He calls you to stay in the game. To be faithful to the end. Don't drop out of the race. You know in the races nowadays, there's these, they call them runners. Jack runners or something like that. And they, on a long distance race, they'll run about half the race and they'll set the pace and they'll run really fast. But they run out of gas and they quit before the race is over with. That's not what God's called us to do. I don't care if you're 18 or if you're 80. God has called us to run to the finish line. To run with the finish line in view. Focus on Jesus. Get rid of anything that would keep you from being faithful to God.
So let me just encourage you, whoever you are, it's never too late. Run focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Let's go to God in prayer.